Welcome to the Implications of Redlining podcast, where we will be going over the lasting impacts redlining has had. Redlining is defined as to refuse someone something because they live in an area deemed to be poor or at financial risk. Many government policies and legislations have often had unintended consequences. An example of this is the National Housing Act of 1934. This law was meant to allow for more affordable housing for some Americans, but ended up causing irreparable harms to millions of other Americans. The essential question that we are trying to answer here is how government actions have unintended consequences that outlast the enforcement of such policies and legislations. Now everyone will be explaining how redlining has carried throughout the years and still affects the poor and vulnerable today. Hi, this is Ellie Zandarsik, and I'm going to be explaining how different social classes face different impacts from the coronavirus. Hi, this is Ryan Zucker, and I'll be showing how past experiences still affect the poor and vulnerable economically today. Hi, this is Andrew Perovsik, and I'm going to be discussing how redlining has caused racial inequality across school districts in our country. Hi, this is Braylon Beers, and I'm going to be talking about how redlining has affected the sentencing of those considered poor and vulnerable. My question of focus is are different social classes and races facing different impacts from the coronavirus? At the beginning of March 2020, the United States went into a national shutdown due to the coronavirus. At the time, very little was known about this virus besides it was very contagious and people were dying from it. Everyone was very fearful at the time. It has been seen through different statistics that many of the poor or minority communities had to face the harsher effects of the virus. According to NPR.org, although Blacks and Hispanics only make up for 30.1% of the population in the United States, they made up for 47.5% of the cases and 42.2% of the deaths. Minority hospitalization rates are 4.5 to 5.0 times higher than whites, and there, there are a few reasons why this might be the case. There is no doubt that the coronavirus has impacted every person in this world. But lower-income communities have had an even harder time with this. HRW.org wrote an article of how corona has impacted the poor. They are more likely to be exposed, have higher mortality rates, and suffer economically. Because of the shutdown, many people lost their jobs or had to work remotely. Most lower-income jobs were not able to work remotely, forcing them to go into work. Unfortunately, not working for these people isn't an option. So, they have a higher exposure rate because of this. It has been seen that the low income can be associated with more pre-existing health conditions, which makes people more vulnerable to the coronavirus. Many people don't have enough money to save up on food, therefore making them weaker because they're not getting the proper nutrition. Poverty is most common in Black and Latino communities. This can be traced back to redlining because these minorities are stuck where they were raised. The CDC wrote an article explaining the reasons why minorities are impacted by the coronavirus. The first reason was discrimination. Discrimination still exists within the United States. Some minorities don't have the same access to health care. They are more likely to be uninsured compared to white Americans. Some other reasons they cannot get the same health care is because they don't have the proper transportation, they can't take off of work, and they have to take care of their family or kids. Some don't know English and are unable to communicate with the health care workers. As I said before, their jobs also play a big role in this because many need to actually go into work. Inequalities in school systems may lead to unsuccessful students 
Therefore, they aren't able to get as good of a job when they are older. They can't make as much money and save up to buy basic things like food. Many live in overcrowded housing because this is their only option. It's also been tradition for many families to live with multiple generations. Many of the reasons that minorities are impacted worse by the coronavirus are, be- are systematic reasons. The issue of redlining has been carried down through time, making it harder for minorities to live in these unprecedented times. Next, we will go over to Ryan, who will talk about economic opportunities with past redlining experiences. The main question I'm trying to answer is, has redlining really carried through the years, and does it still affect the poor and vulnerable today, especially in regards to economic opportunity? As you all know, redlining has clearly carried through the years. It's had many consequences that came with it. These consequences have caused a lot of disparity in regards to economic opportunity for both the poor and vulnerable. The poor and vulnerable are the ones who are getting the most hurt still today because of housing discrimination and redlining. An article titled Cuyahoga County Equality Report calls for confronting systemic racism. They spoke all about how African Americans are given less opportunities and are still struggling today due to their past experiences. There are many white businesses running very successfully while the minority ones are hurting. These minorities are most likely struggling and their businesses are not doing well shows a connection to how minorities were given less opportunities for years. Economic inequalities also persist in the county, according to the report. County departments and projects are disproportionately contracted with white-owned companies. They recommended that county officials focus on helping the minorities own businesses and creating a public-private partnership that provides opportunities for black-owned businesses. This just goes on to show how these African Americans who were redlined before are still struggling today and need help to grow and keep their business strong. In a similar way, an article that was talking about redlining ending 50 years ago but is still hurting Americans today once again displayed how they are still struggling. This study showed how neighborhoods which were redlined in the past continue to struggle more than other neighborhoods who were not redlined. 80 years ago, people were denied housing and loans, and they now still live in the poorest neighborhoods today. This article went on to further show that neighborhoods that were predominantly made up of African Americans as well as Catholic, Jews, and immigrants from Asia and Southern America were deemed undesirable in the past. Bruce Mitchell, a senior researcher at the NCRC and one of the study's authors, said, Anyone who was not Northern European white was considered to be a detraction from the value of the area. They went on to say that white families have nearly had 10 times the net worth of black families and more than 8 times that of Hispanic families, according to the Federal Reserve and this gap is continually growing. The reason these redlined areas are so behind economically is because loans in these neighborhoods were unavailable or very expensive, making it more difficult for low-income minorities to buy homes which helped the racial gap to rapidly grow. This still matters today because these families were put a step behind everyone else that had to play catch-up for the rest of their life, which they are still playing today. In the final article I looked at, it exemplified significantly greater economic inequalities in cities where more of the HLC graded them high-risk or hazardous areas. These areas are shown to now be minority-filled and still struggling, while the low-risk areas back then are still mostly white and have more money. This study shows redlining betrusted the segregated structure of American cities. Most of these neighborhoods, 74% of them exactly, that the HLC graded as high-risk or hazardous eight decades ago are still low to moderate income today. This just goes on to further show, since they were not given these loans and helped 80 years ago, they have never been able to catch up and their family still struggles today. 
It is just terrible because economic issues are one of the biggest issues affecting America today, and to see that it could have been lessened or not happened at all if redlining was never a thing. All of this information confirms that redlining has obviously carried through the years, and the poor and vulnerable are still the ones struggling economically today because of it. Now we will go on to Andrew, and he will show how redlining has caused inequalities in school districts all over our country. How has redlining throughout the years affected the poor and vulnerable today? Redlining kept many black people oppressed by not giving them the same opportunities as white people to live in nice neighborhoods, invest in a house, and watch the value of the home grow. This was done intentionally through hate. Black people were pushed into these low-income areas simply because people couldn't allow them to have success based on their skin color. This oppression through redlining is still being felt today in many low-income school districts, which tend to have a higher concentration of black students and other minority students due to redlining. This leads to my overarching question, which is, how has redlining caused racial inequality across school districts in our country? Well, the effects of the pandemic have made the inequalities even worse. Many schools with a higher concentration of poor students have always had struggles with technolo technology and other resources. The pandemic has made this worse by posing new challenges that low-income districts with more black students have to face. All schools were blindsided by the pandemic and its challenges, but richer schools that statistically have a higher concentration of white students were more prepared. They could deal with these, these challenges in a much easier way. Many low-income schools did not have the technological resources to get online school up and moving in a timely manner, putting their students behind. Also, more of the low-income students do not have resources to connect with teachers like laptops, iPads, and wireless internet because of the poverty that they live in. This puts lower income families and minorities at a distinct disadvantage compared to other students. This is a new disadvantage brought about by the pandemic, and it's one of many. And if nothing is done about this dev these devastating inequalities, they will continue to get worse in the future. Also, low income schools are some low income students' main source of meals that they rely on. This is another disadvantage of the school shutdowns. By now, most districts are back in school providing lunch, but those are the districts that have students that don't really need the meals as much. Many of the low-income minority students in these low-income schools get their main source of nutrition from going to school and getting lunch provided. And not having this is a major problem that students are facing in a major inequality that students are facing in schools. Another inequality is that lower income schools are not as well as equipped as other districts to provide good ventilation and enough space to return to school, giving, their, giving low income students a disadvantage because they're not 
in school like most districts are by now, and they are learning through a screen, which is not as efficient. Overall, these challenges brought on by COVID-19 have reinvigorated the existing problems that redlining is still causing within school districts. And this is leading to racial inequality due to differences in education based on people's skin color and their income. The essential question that we're answering is how redlining has affected the poor and vulnerable today. For my specific topic, I'm going to be talking about the criminal justice system and how redlining has affected the sentencing for those considered of a poor or minority group. I looked over many resources and I came to the conclusion that the sentencing tends to be longer for those are considered poor and vulnerable or of a minority group or both. The first source that I looked into was the sentencing project and they talked about the social justice system and the bias of race and class within it. They claim that when it comes to sentencing, um, those of African-American backgrounds are more likely to be arrested as well as convicted and they have a longer sentence than those of a white background. Many of the African-Americans who are convicted of such crimes also come from poorer backgrounds. In the criminal justice system, those who are poor and vulnerable are more likely to have a longer sentencing due to the redlining in the past and the creation of more vulnerable neighborhoods. The next source that I looked into was the Open Society Foundations. They talked about how sentencing in poor and vulnerable groups is tougher for those in a majority group. This source particularly focused on the racial disparity in sentencing. They explained how decisions made in court can be impacted based on race and social class. It claims that those who are of a black or Latino background have a greater chance of becoming incarcerated than those of white background. Although this is true, race is not the only factor in the criminal justice decisions. Unemployment, however, plays a role. It was said that unemployed black males tend to be sentenced the most and have the worst luck while within the criminal justice system. This directly relates with the effects of redlining because of the poor black neighborhoods that are hard to get out of that have an effect on those who live within them and how they are sentenced within the justice system. The last source that I looked into was the Dissent magazine. This was titled How the Criminal Justice System preys on the poor. In this article, they go back and forth with the conversation and they classify the criminal justice system as a predator and the poor communities as prey. Um, they explain how the criminal justice system is hard on those in poverty and they go into detail on how they prey on the lower class and give them a harder time within the system. This is an example of redlining effects because of those who are stuck in the poor neighborhoods struggle to get out of these areas and because of this they are treated unfairly within the justice system. An example of this is how people can get bailed out of jail while those of poor communities probably don't have the right amount of money to get themselves out of trouble, which tends to make it harder for them within the system. After looking into all of these sources, I have came to the conclusion, like I said, 
that the sentencing within the criminal justice system tends to be a lot harder on those who are considered poor and vulnerable, whether that be of a low social class rank or in a minority group where they can't get the help that they need that those of wealthy majority groups would be given. After conducting some research, I found that minority communities were often impacted worse by the coronavirus because they were more poor and didn't have the same options for health care. Conducting research, I learned that the communities which were redlined in the past are still struggling economically today and will struggle economically in the future. Countless hours of research on redlining, it is seen that its effects on racial inequality across school districts has been apparent for many years and has co continued to get worse through the struggles of the pandemic. After researching, I came to the conclusion that the effects of redlining tend to make the sentencing of those considered poor and vulnerable or of a minority group longer than those of the major majority group. It can be seen through different issues like criminal justice, education and schooling, economic opportunity, and public health that certain groups are impacted worse. These broader issues have more specific issues within them, and we all gained a better understanding of how redlining has carried throughout the years and created unintended consequences for certain people.